0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Your Own Personal Beatles. Uh, I'm Jack Pelling. And I'm Robin Allender. And we've got a brilliant episode today with a wonderful comedian and member of Pappy's, Matthew Crosby, uh, which was a really fun one we recorded quite a while ago. And uh, yeah, very, very enjoyable chat this was.
1: Yeah, it was great because there's a lot of chat about yellow submarine and... Yesterday, the Richard Curtis film. The film yeah, there's more <laughs> we,
0: than I remember. Yeah,
1: film. which um, it's not all negative. Um, no, no, um, no, certainly not. And although some of it is, and um, <laughs> good chats about Beatles for Sale is the kind of we go mm. into a lot of detail about what's what we like about Beatles for Sale, and it was a good chance for me to kind of bond with that record, cause which I yeah. hadn't really <laughs> done before. Uh, that was good. But Yellow Submarine as well. We watched Yellow Submarine before. Mm. Um, and it made me realise that the reason I didn't know songs like Hey Bulldog and It's All Too Much kind of growing up was because... I never got to the end of Yellow Submarine when I was watching it as a kid. It's long. It's long. And the story really dwindles out after about an hour.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they kind of give up on on tying up any plot points or anything like that. And then it just becomes a sort of like mad flight of fancy. Yeah. But I really enjoyed going back to it. I mean, I still find it quite traumatic. And it did scare the bejesus out of me when I was little. Yeah. But, yeah, it was interesting to go back and there's lots of, yeah, there's lots of really good um, observations and stuff in it.
1: Well, definitely about the kind of the power it had uh, Mm. uh, watching it at that age and how it has this kind of real, you know, effect. In fact, I I quote again from Electric Eden and Rob Young, and he's just bought a new book out. I think it comes out today actually called The Magic Box, Viewing Britain Mm -hmm. Through the Rectangular Window, which is about exactly what we're talking about in this episode of those kind of the strange... Things you saw on TV in your childhood and the kind of yeah. effect they have on you in adult life. So yeah, I'm looking forward for to reading sure. that.
0: Um, so it's brilliant. And we'll, we'll crack up. It's quite a long episode, so we won't keep you too long in the old intro. Mm. But um, I just thought I'd read out one email that we got in response to um, the Jeff Floyd and a bit of the Felicity Ward one. Uh, this is from Pete who says, uh, Hi, Jack and Robin, long-time listener of your podcast. I got into it during the first lockdown when it was fresh and like a new Beatles acetate of an early take of Strawberry Fields. <laughs> At first, I was frustrated and found myself shouting, Stop getting the Beatles wrong! Like, like some sort of unaware partridge. But I soon learned to love them the way you and your guests explore the group and the stories of how people came to them. It's Rafael Nadal's standard backhanded compliment there. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I'm only joking um, I'm from Liverpool and grew up with them I literally can't remember a time before them being in my life Though my story is familiar to someone of my age A teenager when the anthologies came out And that's when I became obsessed So I find how others came to them fascinating mm. uh, I've belatedly listened to the Jeff Lloyd episode And it put me in mind of a blog post I wrote back in 2013 About the roots of I Feel Fine mm. Which we kind of mentioned And we don't mention a lot about sort of influence and, and borrowing Mm. Um, so that, which goes back to a jazz tune called Manteca by Dizzy Gillespie, which is a song I know really well, but I never made that connection, mm. uh, which is really interesting. It's yeah. a sort of early, um, sort of Cuban influenced uh, track from the forties, um, and which takes in what the what I what did I say by Ray Charles, Bobby Parker, Sonny Boy Parkinson, and another and some others along the way. Um, if you're reading the Hamburg bits of tune in, um, this should resonate, which mm. yeah, absolutely does. So yeah, that's really interesting.
1: Yeah, that kind of melting pot, definitely.
0: Yeah. Other than that, I'd just like to say thanks for making the podcast. All the best, Pete. Um, so yeah, that's really interesting. He ends with a good quote from The Simpsons about the nature of uh, plagiarism, which is uh, which is one of my faves. What's that? Um, it's, uh, have you seen the episode with um, Roger Myers where he gets, uh, he's the guy who invented Itchy and Scratchy? I can read out the quote. Um, okay, sure. It's <laughs> when he's in court and he says, Okay, maybe my dad did steal Itchy. So what? Animation is built on plagiarism. If it weren't for someone plagiarizing the honeymooners, we wouldn't have the Flintstones. If someone hadn't ripped off Sergeant Bilko, there'd be no top Cat. Huckleberry Hound, Chief Wiggum, Yogi Bear, Ha. Huh? Andy Griffith, Edward G. Robinson, Art Carney, Your Honor, you take away our right to steal ideals. Where are they going to come from? Her, to which Marge says, um, how about ghost mutt? <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: good. <laughs> which is brilliant. Yeah, it's yeah. very true, isn't it? Oh, I love the... I mean, the, you know, I do love that um, I Feel Fine and Day Tripper uh, well, well, great because... Lennon was coming up with these riffs and he wouldn't stop jamming them you know yeah yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. I, and it's sort of it, it, it's a new style of playing for him instead of going for chords wasn't it and that's why I mean I've always loved those two tron- songs I think they're quite closely related yeah in some ways. well there was
0: a huge sort of Latin kind of explosion around that time mm.
1: um,
0: but where it, other people got sort of the beat, one of the sort of many extraordinarily serendipitous things with the Beatles is that every time they were in Hamburg, everyone at home was getting influenced by things that actually ended up sending them in really bad directions. So a lot of the luck of the timing of being in Hamburg is that they missed out on a lot of the fads. Mm. In particular, the the sort of Shadows era of people having sort of choreographed dance routines where they're all sort of moving in beat. And the Beatles came back in leather jackets and ripped it up and everyone was sort of like you know, thank God that they missed that little That's period. That's interesting.
1: So when they came back, they would have been a little bit behind the times, but in a in a good way, maybe. Yeah, maybe, so yeah.
0: they came back basically looking, you know, it's like the Strokes arriving on the scene or whatever, <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> um, and, yeah, Ringo was definitely into that sort of very rumbery. I mean, there's a bit, I suppose, there's like sort of bessame Mucho in one mm, of those uh, earlier songs. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, I Feel Fine definitely has that kind of Afro-Cuban-influenced beat. Mm. <laughs> Pete Best was notoriously terrible. at Ringo, but Ringo was
1: brilliant. The, the email wasn't from Pete Best. We can just we just want to verify that it was from Pete uh, in no, Liverpool. It was from yeah,
0: Pete uh, Pete Martin.
1: Lovely stuff. Yeah, Good. So thanks very much, Pete. Yeah. Thanks, Pete. And thanks for
0: persevering after originally uh, getting frustrated with the podcast. Yeah, we've we've all been yeah. on a journey. <laughs> we, exactly. We've come a long way. Yeah. If you want to get in contact with us, uh, you can go to personalbeetles.com forward slash contact, or you can send me an email, jack at homespunsounds.com. If you'd like an extended version of this episode with Matthew Crosby, which is going to be a long one because mm. we chatted for hours. It was such a fun... It was one of those where we could have gone on for hours and hours and hours, so there should be a a very hefty extra chunk of content, along with extended versions of all our other ones, which are ad-free. You get them a day early as well. Uh, Then you can join the Patreon to get all of that stuff, and bonus episodes too, the first of which came out um, last week. Uh, So if you go to patreon.com forward slash personal Beatles, all of that stuff is uh, Available to you there. Uh, you can also get in touch with us on our social medias and follow all the you know go, oh, ongoings Is it goings on
1: goings on. I don't know <laughs> ongoings, the
0: ongoing goings on um, at Personal Beatles on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and all of that stuff. But uh, for now, we'll leave you with the fantastic Matthew Crosby. Thank you so much. I'm genuinely. I
2: don't think I've thought about a podcast as much as I've thought about in the run up to it that I've really? thought about this podcast. Genuinely, I've spent, <laughs> I've, you know, when even when you gave me dates, I think I was like, I picked the latest, the furthest one away. <laughs> you gave me, oh, you can do a bunch of these dates in March. And I'm like, I'll pick the furthest one away to give myself a run-up. And then I was like, well, do I need a run-up? Because it's it's talking about my, you know, it's not like
0: you want me to go. I'm not, it's not yeah, mastermind. So you had, you, you weren't cr- cramming because you'd never heard of the
1: Beatles before. Uh, no, no, you no. Just, I, <laughs> I, well, I think uh, there is a fear one, one is going to, it is about your personal associations, but there is a fear you might accidentally, you know, say that, uh, you know, George wrote Let It Be or something, you know, like yeah. something. Else. Yeah. You might just get yeah. a big fact wrong, you know. <laughs> yeah. And hate, right.
2: OK, that's good. That's that's one of the big facts is. it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but
1: like, um, yeah. So what, what have you been doing to prepare that in the big run up?
2: Well, I went back to the albums that were my sort of first introduction into mm. uh, into the Beatles um, and I, 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 like originally I think he said, said what, you, what albums do you want to talk about? And I was like, okay, it's going to be Rubber Soul. It's going to be, um, uh, Beatles for Sale. Um, and then I was, I started listening to those two and I was like, there's definitely gaps here. What are the other (laughs) ones that this doesn't feel like as rounded a picture of my my first introduction to them. And so I obviously put Sergeant Peppers in there as well. I think that was, that was already in the email, Mm. went back to help. Remember that I spent a lot of time listening to the magical mystery tour EP. I had my, well, I mean, again, I'm sure everybody says this, but it was my parents' record collection. That's that's how Mm. I started.
1: Mm.
2: And my dad had lots of the singles, um, lots of the albums. I mean, both my parents did um so they had like multiple copies of them mm. um but uh i remember especially exciting was the magical mystery tour ep yeah which i think was a it was a seven inch sized um uh, two uh, seven inches right two seven inches that's right yeah, yeah. and um with a little booklet now mm. i've still never seen the film really i don't think yeah. i've ever seen the film but i've I've read uh, you know as a child i would read that booklet and yeah. see pictures of um victor spinetti and stuff like you know and i uh, again, I don't know, like, again, I don't think I've seen anything with Victor Spinetti and apart from that booklet. So that's, that's a <laughs> yeah. name I know purely from reading it when I was like six or seven years old. Yeah. But um, mm. I think there's something, it's both very childish because obviously there's them dressed in their, you know, their weird I'm the walrus costumes, you know, with the funny masks. Mm. But also it seems grown up. Yeah, because they're, yeah. they're they're cool and they've you know they've got mustaches, yeah. you know,
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> so they seem like they're 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 you know it was like a, a, a gateway into proper music. Even mm. though like it, well, I, again, one of the great things about listening to the Beatles when you're a kid is so many of their songs are like kid songs. Yeah, I know like yeah. I know a lot of the songs that Paul McCartney wrote, like John Lennon said they're like granny music mm-hmm. but they're sort of more like kids me i mean sure grannies like them yeah. but like the the big songs i've started listening to were like obla di obla da i was just obsessed with that song mm. i loved it
1: um what age are we talking here
2: little like you know again six seven eight you know yeah. those were the first songs i listened to Mm. Max also for silverhammer yeah. not even realizing that it was an awful sort of talk <laughs> about like a guy kills everybody yeah. <laughs> it was just it was just, a, it was just very you know it's very jaunty isn't it, is. it yeah yeah um if
0: you if you're getting the kids and the grannies on board then you're, you're doing something right yeah. and
2: you know mm. and writing a song about murder how
0: yeah. do you yeah. manage that yeah, yeah. that's yeah. real skill <laughs>
1: Yeah. And so at this stage, then, did you watch Yellow Submarine as well? Was that part of that? Yeah, I loved
2: I loved the Yellow Submarine um, movie. And again, I had that I had that album Mm. on. uh, But I bought that. I probably bought that myself. I, I definitely bought that myself. So I probably would have been 15, 14, 15, 16, maybe when I when I owned that. And mm. I listened to that a lot. Mm. Certainly, the first side, the actual Beatles song side, because yeah. the other side is all um, the George Martin kind of incidental music, yes. yeah. the um, the score. On um, CD, on vinyl. Mm. I had a vinyl, vinyl copy because they they brought it out. Uh, I, th- I I bought that and I bought Sgt. Pepper's on on vinyl.
1: Nice.
2: And uh, I listened to that a lot to, to the point where I sort of thought that Hey Bulldog was like one of their big songs.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. I really, you know,
2: I really, I, I don't think it's even. In the film, or certainly not the version I I first saw, but it was on the album, mm. Mm. and uh, I uh, I loved it. I mm. re- loved the song "Hey Hey Bulldog," you know, and um, and, and and I loved uh, hearing them doing. You know, I mean, again, this is not me being a, ch- a child. I was sort of, you know. 16 but i love them doing the the dog noises at the end
1: yeah (laughs) yeah so
2: good
0: that's great
1: it's one of those really
2: exciting moments where it genuinely feels like they've just gone let's let's mess around a bit at the end of this song yeah
1: And Hey Bulldog's quite un We've We've often come back to this chat about, like, did the Beatles ever do a funky song? And, like, mm. I always think Hey Bulldog has just got that, just the real funky bass line and everything it's kind yeah, of it's yeah phenomenal the phenomenal piano riff isn't it yeah, yeah. yeah
0: it's very unringoey drumming as well it mm. sort of sounds more like sort of buddy miles or something it's quite cement mixturey. right yeah. um compared to usually sort of you know washy ringo mm. but i think that that is in the film it's one of because i rewatched the uh film um for the first time in a really long time because I think mm. Robin had something similar, but I found it quite traumatic. That film, right? Yeah, young, well, I, I rewatched
2: it as well. I, I just in, in preparation, but I think when it got to that sequence, I was like, "This wasn't in the original." Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I, I don't I, think I, it. So, so th- Yeah, but but yeah. It's, I mean, it's it is a scary movie.
1: Yeah, I mean, I accidentally downloaded the uh, German language version. So apart from that, <laughs> which made it even more disorientating. Did, um, did you Did you power through? I kind of started watching it and then thought like no I I need to get the English one so I bought that and ended up spending like this is just on iTunes and ended up spending like 20 quid to watch yeah. this show. so there are people
2: impersonating <laughs> so there were there are sort of German people impersonating yeah. the Beatles so, and it had
1: English subtitles so I guess they're doing like the German equivalent of a scouse accent I don't really know how that works maybe mm, we'll Hamburg a maybe yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's something a little bit
0: less cuddly about the word U-boat as well, in, the, yeah. in than, than submarine. The yeah. yellow U-boat seems a little bit more yeah, sinister, it's a little threatening.
1: <laughs> but, that, but Matthew, that's a great point. I think you're saying about Magical Mystery Tour, where there was that kind of you had the EP, but you'd never seen the film. So there's that kind of. I, I think this. It's something that's really interesting about like our age group, where you're discovering these artefacts, but there are pieces missing. Yeah. And I, always, I, I think that's like really why Yellow Submarine is kind of quite a strange and scary experience, because you watched it, but you didn't know really who these people were. You didn't know any of the backstory. You didn't know what Sergeant Pepper was. You know, it's yeah. just like it was a cartoon, but it's just but, the, but there's this whole hinterland of stuff you didn't know. So the whole thing is very... Mysterious. Well, also, if you didn't know about it, then it's not the way to learn about it. No,
2: yeah, exactly. Because mm-hmm. it's not any of the real the, the <laughs> yeah, details sort of, of who the Beatles were. I mean, no. I think I actually, I think I did, I watched it quite, cl- I think it was on television. I taped off the television. So I, yeah. I probably watched it when I was more like about sort of, again, 14, 15, 16. Mm. So I found it a lot less scary than you probably did if you saw it as kids. Yeah. And also yeah. I had a bit of, I was already into the Beatles. I already knew the Beatles. Yeah. Um, but um, But it's still a scary, like... The blue meanies. Yeah. I'm wearing my blue meanie socks, by the way. I'll show oh, nice. You oh, nice. Can, can you see those? <laughs> oh, lovely, yeah. So there we go. That's the yeah. blue meanie socks.
0: Yeah. I um, mean, they're terrifying. Yeah. I think what I found re-watching it, it was their sort of, their complete nihilism that really terrified <laughs> me. Yeah. Like, they had no agenda. No. <laughs> you know, they didn't really want to achieve everything. They were just, like, absolutely destructive, like, horrible yeah. little, little blue things.
2: Yeah, the, 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 the bit where the sort of big the main blue meanie gets the other one sort of trampled into the ground. Yeah. yeah. It's just really awfully violent. Isn't it? It I mean obviously every every time he gets trampled down, he keeps popping a bit of his head up and then gets trampled down a bit more. But it really is. And um the the the, the, the character of the main blue meanie is a really kind of it, it's almost a bit like um, Dennis Hopper in Blue Velvet mm. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know the, the way of just you know it's not like I'm not going to play I'm not, not playing like a tough guy I'm just yeah. going to play it like this w- weird you know like occasionally we'll, we'll talk in a very high <laughs> high full set yeah. you know, it's like you know really really strange like hysterical laughter and then bursting into tears like a, like yeah. a real you know really sort of psychotic and something unhinged. Yeah, something of
1: the uh, Sexy Beast
0: character as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, just that kind of really weird borderline li- border between. Yeah.
0: Well, there was an aborted... Um, they were going to do a sort of CGI remake of it. I don't know if it's right. still in the works. Oh, wow. But oh, yeah, um, yeah. I think it was, um you know, it would definitely would have ended up being a sort of Ben Kingsley or someone
1: <laughs> doing that. The, the weird thing about yellow submarine as well is that like you know the biggest band in the world let's do a big cartoon should we make it kind of mainstream and accessible no let's make it look like it's a czech cartoon that's like been banned <laughs> and like has got some like weird kind of propaganda message in it let's yeah in it, 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 there's something so odd about it like yeah. the, those that kind of collage of kind of victorian and edwardian imagery and there's something so i mean like my experience of it now is this kind of fragmentary thing where i didn't understand what was going on at all but i think that was it partly intentional as well because it's so fragmentary and there's like seems to allude to a past as well with this kind of victorian imagery as well it's kind
0: of yeah and it's a very sort of tonally quite odd in that I just found the writing of it. So the characterization of the Beatles is very weird. Yeah. And the sort of, you know, it's got their sort of wordplay. I love that sort of joke about the school of fish. Mm. And then they're like, oh, it looked oh, like, yeah. like the University of Wales thing and stuff. <laughs> it's, yeah. yeah, it's, it's great. It's like very Beatly, But then you got them sort of saying things that you just never... You know, I can't... Paul would never be like, ooh, groovy. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Like, it's a very sort of like... You remember the
0: Beatle cartoon? It was a a cross between that and then this sort sort of weird... Head fucky, art I think house Paul film. would say it's groovy.
1: He probably <laughs> would now. He'd probably yeah, say it. He probably would, he say would. It now than he would uh, <laughs> yeah. back in 1969. Did, did you hear the Adam Buxton uh, podcast, Matthew? I loved it. Yeah, so yeah. good. It, it was, was a great really... bit. Right? He, was, he was talking about Stormzy, and he said, "Yeah, it's great. It's the new beat." <laughs> 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 that was very like groovy. Yeah. that cool. was quite. That was quite exciting
2: because mm. there's something about. Adam Buxton that makes you feel like you, I think his listeners feel like we're his mate because he puts so much of himself into his podcasts Yeah, yeah. that you Mm. feel like, you know, when, like recently I was listening to one of his podcasts and his dog is sick. And I was genuinely like, Oh no, not, (laughs) you know, he's had such a tough time of it recently. Rosie can't get ill. Please, you know, I'm sure. So when he got, you know, when he got to, you know, be in this chat with, with Paul McCartney, it was it was genuinely like oh, oh it's it's our mate Adam you know <laughs> yeah. yeah it's like you know, this is really it, you know it was it was it was a real it was a real thrill it felt like you know any, any one of us could have been in that chat yeah. and also the fact that he you know he recorded himself in the. Uh, the, the the preamble to the, the
0: zoom of him saying I'm really nervous I'm really shitting yeah. myself yeah. We go, of course yeah. he would be yeah. it's Paul it's Paul McCartney um, I'd much rather bump into him on the train and have a five minute conversation I think than ever like have to interview him in any professional capacity because yeah. I just think I would get it I would get it so wrong
2: especially <laughs> yeah especially if you know it's got it's going to go out. It's got to go out into the world. I mean, it doesn't have to. You could always, you know, never put, he could never put it out, but yeah. you want it to be good enough that people <laughs> yeah. are going to listen.
1: You know, it's such It's such a... I think you'd be so desperate for a unique insight that you just kind of, I don't know, you do some mad research about like, one of the most obscure facts you could find and you'd ask him about it and he wouldn't be able to remember it. I'm pretty sure that's what would happen with me. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. he
0: politely nod and be like, no, I don't yeah. remember that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's best case scenario, isn't it? I love but- that in the... Um-
1: <laughs> In the Buxton thing as well, where he's saying he couldn't, his memory's really bad for years. Like, I, I know Sergeant Pepper was sixty-seven, but I can't remember the others. That's pretty really good. Yeah, like everyone else knows that. But
0: you don't need to when the rest of the nation remembers it for you. you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's So
2: good. Yeah. If that's true. Most questions I imagine he gets asked are full of facts about him already to yeah. prove that you know I have the authority. I think that's, I think that's it. They've they've just got such a, you know, the Beatles have just got such a, a tremendous backstory and mm. there's so much out there you know you know so many tomes have been written about them and so much has been sort of said about them that uh you do you know you, you, this was why i found found this podcast intimidating on a smaller scale i imagine than adam buxton being you know <laughs> in interviewing paul mccartney but you just don't want to be like Oh, it turns out I don't know anything about them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been well, I much, mean, we're,
0: we're kind of like that too. I mean, when we first started, we were very apprehensive about uh, sort of the gaps in our Beatles yeah. knowledge. But actually, that those are the bits that are the most interesting in, in some ways.
1: One of the big gaps for me was Beatles for Sale, which is a record I never had growing up. Mm. and um uh I, I really and i've listened to it a lot like since we started the podcast and because you mentioned it in the email before and it's really i think there's a really there's a great nick cornby quote where i think he's talking about rain the b-side you know to paperback writer and everything and he says you know it's lo- i love hearing rain because it sort of hasn't had all the juice squeezed out of it it's still quite fresh and like i think that something's true with for sale because i don't know it as well it really yeah. sounds really fresh <laughs> was so that what, what when was your introduction to Beatles for sale was that kind of quite a formative one or were you a kind of cool teenager when that No
0: happened?
2: that would have been that would have been one of my my mum my and dad's records that I have no memory of hearing for the first time just because it was always on in the house It was one of those records that I just I, 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 I couldn't put my finger on when we first started listening to it because we always we always listened to it um, and uh, I remember it's a strange one when I go back to it now but the song I was most obsessed with, on that album was Mister Moonlight.
1: Yeah, it's great. Which I just I couldn't get enough of it. Mm. And um John is like going. Well, this is my thing with For Sale. Listening to it now is it's such a John album. It mm, yeah. starts so, with yeah. four big John songs, covers and originals, and his vocal. He's like he's belting it out. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. also Mister Moonlight is like quite a nice romantic song, and he's like screaming it. Yeah, <laughs> it's so good.
2: I always found like I, I think I've always found John Lennon a bit scary. He's a scary mm. dude. Um, I think he's like you know he's the he's I mean the creepiest of the Beatles. Is yeah. that the right way to put it? I don't mean I think he's so. a cre- I don't mean he's necessarily creepy, but there's certainly there's lots of you know l- lyrically you were like well, what are you saying? Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. Um, uh, but uh, you know, like Run for Your Life would be mm. the the one you go like that's. that's well that's bad
0: yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> you know uh, but but yeah but on on on, on for sale I, I love the fact he's like just he's like really growling like that yeah. that open when he sings mr Moonlight like to open the song yeah it's so amazingly brilliant and, and open-throated and it's almost in in complete contrast to the the other boys who are yeah. backing him up with his you
0: came to me one summer night <laughs> yeah.
2: he's like you, you yeah you can really you know you can imagine him really kind of Gripping the microphone and yeah. sort of it's, it's it's it sounds
1: desperate. Yeah, yeah. Um, I
0: mean, I kind of after that opening four seconds, that track's kind of done for me. Um, <laughs> it, it literally it doesn't get much better than that opening. Bit, no, no, but I, I think, <laughs> think
1: I think that's fair. I mean, but I his think perfor- his performance on rock and roll music though is similarly kind of almost arranged. When
0: they it. had sort of limited studio time and they used to record all day for you know they mm. re- would have recorded it in a week or whatever. So his voice is pretty shot by the end and it has that quality towards the end of those sessions, which is another, which is a classic sort of missus. And he had such a wicked, you know, he couldn't do the, um, you know, Little Richard thing that Paul could do just at the drop of a hat. But once he had shredded it up, it sounded unbelievable.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. I used to have a kitchen, a very nice echoey kitchen at uh, university and every time <laughs> I used to pop my head in and do that Mr. Moonlight thing and then just close the door. <laughs> how did the how did the
2: other people you lived with like that? Were they Um
0: They thought it was funny and then they found it very annoying and then it got quite yeah. funny. It was a bit like a sort of Stuart Lee routine. <laughs>
2: have you got other people in your house at the moment?
0: Uh my girlfriend's here, yeah.
2: How would you feel if you gave us a blast of it? Yeah, I think you should. I think it feels like you've sort of said, "Oh, this is the thing I used yeah, to do." You teed be it be weird. Lean back from the mic and give us no. a little.
0: I'll give it a go. I mean, again,
2: it doesn't have to be. We don't have to keep this in the podcast. It would just be good. If to it's do
0: terrible, we'll keep it out.
2: We're, we're looking what for is new, new it? jingles. It's
0: <laughs> a top. It's a top A. I think. <laughs> I love this.
2: Oh, things. here we go. You this is it. You've got the. He's going to get the right note as well. Mister. <laughs>
0: No, I went way too high. <laughs> oh you, know, you know? what? I feel. I,
2: I feel like it started so well, but the one thing that, uh, <laughs> the one thing that John wouldn't have done is back down halfway through the phrase. <laughs> yeah, and
1: I feel like that was
2: it. You know, like you hit the first bit. Yeah. I was like, he's going to do it. But, but then but, the self,
1: um, the self consciousness crept I went, in. I went, I went way, does. way too
0: far out of key, and I, I uh, that sounded good. Uh, uh, it, the, it would have, if I had
1: committed, it would have. Uh, I think it was kind of like, uh, you know, West End style where you sang it. It was almost too good. It needed the grit. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely coming
0: out. But it's one that I do. Have you ever been to the Palm Tree in Mile End? No. Uh, no, I don't think. Oh, wait.
2: Uh, wait, the Palm Tree in Mile my... is it?
0: It's an uh, amazing old old lads, East End pub where they uh, have yes, a jazz band. Yes, I have been to them. it. And,
2: and, the, mm. and the guy sings Sinatra, the barman sings Sinatra. Yeah, sometimes yeah. So I would sing yeah, that I've in been there, there yes. quite a lot. And, really? Uh, Till There Was I love You. love it. Yeah. Oh, nice! With my two Beatles
0: covers—covers covers that they knew how to play. <laughs>
2: <laughs> really good, eh? they.
0: Yeah, for Beatles for Sale, for me because I I revisited it, and as as Robin knows, one of my it's definitely my favourite of the early like sort of pre Rubber Soul era, which mm. is quite an unfashionable opinion. But yeah. for me, I mean, the the standout on it, and I think, is a massive sort of turning point for the way that they wrote harmony together. Is Babies in Black and the way that their oh, wow, voices yeah. meld together on that, and the yeah. way that they play around with quite unconventional
1: harmony. It's yes. that track is just unbelievable. Well, yeah, I think there's an interesting thing. Like, it's like I think Jeff Lloyd talks about this somewhere. It's like, where can you first spot? the beatles progressing into something really what, what, what would happen you know later you know where mm. in the early period can you see that first seed that something magical is about to happen and he thinks like a good shout is help because of like ticket to ride but i yeah. think i do think for for sale is has got that because of i'm a loser and, and babies in black i think of her but she think-
2: Things of him. Oh, how long will it take till she sees the mistake she has made? Dear, what can I
0: do? Baby's in black, and I'm feeling blue. Tell me how. Oh, what can I do? And it's got, you know, it does have a couple of hits on it as well. You think of yeah, it's yeah. got sort of eight days a week and things. Eight
1: know? days a week, I think, could be on Rubber Soul. I think it's. Mm it's like as good as that you know
0: yeah i'm a loser
2: is a uh is a phenomenal song and also mm. i mean i i don't know because i obviously wasn't there at the time but uh again it doesn't feel like a typical pop song that you would no. write
1: that you know well it feels like i love that i'm i'm a loser because it feels like john is just like instead rather than kind of resolving that melody in a normal way he kind of does this kind of Du, 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 like goes down it sounds like mm. johnny cash yeah. yeah it's quite country there's a lot of country on the whole record it's very actually. country and it's almost like it's a joke like if you're doing a joke country song you might have a melody that wouldn't like that yeah it's more like what goes on or something yeah <laughs> yeah but that's the first time where he's kind of like you know uh writing in another mode i suppose with that kind of melody i think.
2: Yeah, obviously the joke country songs normally go to Ringo. To Ringo, yeah. Act naturally was again another one of my childhood. I just I loved it so much. Oh really? It's a great song. Yeah, I, I mean it's 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 it's, it's fantastic. But mm. there's something about is well, is and it. I, I mean, there's something about I think Ringo appeals to kids. That's yeah. true. Mm. In the you know, he's the childlike one in uh, Yellow Submarine, isn't he? Mm. Yeah. He's basically like the sort of the naive that yeah. that they sort of sort of look after. The mm. other thing I want to say about The Yellow Submarine, just to take, get back to it, sure, of yeah. the jokes, is that um, it's, you know, I, it's, it's a real shame there aren't, like, it's, there's so many puns. And mm. it's, it, you know, it's a real shame they aren't, they aren't making movies anymore where every other line is a pun. Yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> it's just, like, the, 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 the introduction to George Harrison they ask what day it is and they say it's sitar day <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just i mean yeah that's that's exactly the sort of exactly the sort of cruddy wordplay that really appeals to me yeah, yeah.
1: i mean that was what. Well, do you remember that um charlie brooker thing uh touching cloth yeah yeah, yeah. but cloth. that wasn't that so refreshing because it was just pun 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 like it was just it's, yeah. yeah. it was really it's got that yeah. airplane humor to it yes. yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah 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 they um george i think gets a bit of a raw deal in the film in general really because he I think the impressions sort of slightly get worse. As a kid mm. I didn't yeah. realise it wasn't the Beatles and then you no, watch I it now and that, you realise no. that Ringo is kind of like passable as a, as a like decent Ringo impression mm. John's not really that near. Paul's got the right sort of vocal quality but George doesn't sound anything like him <laughs> and he also looks quite sort of he looks like quite simian. He's got a sort of quite like AP. Mm. <laughs> like they also of don't rendering. really seem to
2: know. They don't know what, what to do with his character yeah. either. He's sort mm. of, he's he doesn't sort of get any like, good lines. Doesn't really get any of the good lines. Doesn't really have any of the sort of main, none of the main storylines are, are about him. It feels like they've got Lennon McCartney as a unit sort of quipping off each other. Mm. And uh, and Ringo is the kind of the the driving f- force of the you know the sort of hapless driving force of the of the movie, mm. and then George is kind of just left there. No one really knows what to do. <laughs> I, I I was looking up who did the voices because I'd never sort of never known before, but. Um, Paul McCartney is Onslow from Keep Up Appearances.
1: Yeah, Oh, yeah, I yeah. I did know that. Yeah. Actually, that's I didn't so realise cool. at all. Yeah, I think that's in Fab Fools, I saw that. That's so cool. I couldn't believe it.
0: Yeah. But
2: again, again, like they, they pop up at the end.
0: He's proper scouser.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's mm. no, yeah. There's no Dick
0: Emery is in it as well, isn't he? <laughs> Dick Emery is yeah. Jeremy
2: Hillary Boob, yeah. Yeah. And um, then
0: the only other thing I know is the same terrifying main blue meanie is the same guy that does the voice for... Ringo, so he's got some range. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, and, 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 they were just... But you think how... I mean, I know that they were obviously the busiest people around in the 1960s, but it can't have been more than a couple of days' work to half-arsely <laughs> do that, you know? It's pretty low-energy well, They, they, they stuff. weren't
2: into it at all, were they? They, did, they didn't want it... Yeah. It was a contractual obligation that just turned yeah. out to be like a psychedelic masterpiece of animation. Because like, that, yeah. the other thing as well, the animation in it
1: is phenomenal yeah visually it looks incredible the animation is is so good i yeah i mean i my i remember i think i might have said this on the show before was like i was just obsessed and it was my first experience of the beatles really was watching yellow submarine it must have been about nine or ten and the just the eleanor rigby sequence i would just loved and i would watch it over and over again like i find it oddly comforting and it was so (laughs) ingrained in my mind that I vividly remember, like, and I only just this only just occurred to me when I was re-watching it, but it's like I remember the first time I heard "Street Spirit" by Radiohead, which uh, in like '95 when mm. it came out, and just like synesthesia moment, I just could see the Eleanor Rigby visuals. It was really weird. I, That's I guess Because
0: of the rows of houses, maybe.
1: Yeah, rows of houses. Yeah. yeah, and the the songs are kind of thematically very similar they're not really melodically yeah, that similar true. but there is but there's a similar mood yeah of this kind of lonely desperation but so obviously something in that was so keyed in were you quite a sad child these... yes <laughs> it
2: seems like you he seems like you know yeah i i like the character who danced around and talked in rhyme yeah yeah <laughs> but
1: um i don't know i don't, but i like the eleanor rigby thing because i like the football players bouncing back and forth and stuff and i thought that was great yeah i thought it was just cool i thought it was i I didn't like it because it was like moping around i just thought it was like you
2: didn't consider yourself one of the lonely people
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's very gilliam-esque that particular section isn't it because it's sort of of looping
1: yeah it's that sort of cut
0: cut cardboard cutouty animation stuff the the section that blows me away is the um where they go into sort of science land Mm. and uh what is the, i can't remember what the song is that they... is it only a northern song is that yeah the... that's it yeah It's that around is men, which yeah which is unbelievable um, incredibly bitter song but
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah again, again i didn't know any of that i didn't uh i didn't know that it was him sort of going oh i'm just yeah i'm just a paid songwriter i'm just on your payroll am i but it's, <laughs> it's great i love it I think something about listening to these albums back only only a handful of songs have dated mm. even the stuff like only a northern song which is you know early psychedelia which shouldn't have aged well mm. it really feels like it ha- it really feels like it has yeah um I mean, maybe it's just because I know them so well, but... Yeah,
0: it really sounds like when Oasis went through that period of trying really hard to sound like the Beatles. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it could easily be on Be Here Now, like, thinking it's a lot yeah. cleverer than it is when, you know...
1: The, the backwards sounding guitar and stuff. Yeah. Do, you, do you think the early stuff has, has dated? Like, so, say, going back to the Beatles for, Beatles for Sale, um, you know, like, because I think the, the thing, much as one loves the early stuff, then there is a more of an argument that those early ones are more like period pieces of like, I I love putting Beatles for sale on because it's great to have just a really good rock and roll record to listen to, you know, but it it feels more of its time. I mean, it's tricky, isn't
2: it? Because um, when I, you know, when I first heard it, it was probably 1985. Mm. But, and I just heard it as I didn't have a concept of this was made 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, I, I so I don't I I don't know. It's it's uh, I mean, I, I, there's something about there's something about classic rock and roll that feels like it's almost timeless. Mm. But that might just be because I wasn't a, around in the you know mid fifties. Yeah. Mm. Um, but there's something about you know you you hear music by Chuck Berry or Little Richard, and it feels like it's it doesn't feel old. It feels kind of kind of classic yeah in a way that like 80s music to me sounds old even though i can think i certainly think a lot of 80s music is is classic but Mm. that might just that might purely just be because i lived through it
1: yeah there was this this i mean i remember yeah with listening to a beach boys compilation that we had on a lot in the car and and it was just like it felt like those songs had just been around forever even if you were just hearing them kind of for the first time it just Mm. felt like they're in the the fabric somewhere, wouldn't they, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
2: They're, although the, I would say the, the Beach Boys are a band, I feel like they're sort of more novelty ones, like Fun, Fun, Fun or stuff like that. Would right. Be, they feel like they've dated.
1: Right, yeah. I don't know. Been, but I mean, you know yeah. what?
2: It probably is because I just I just spent so much time listening to it as a kid. I yeah, just sort yeah. Of, it's just, you know, it's just in, in my yeah. fabric.
1: That's kind of, I mean, I watched Yesterday for the first time the other day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Here we go. And I actually really liked it. I didn't think it was that bad. I was expecting not to like it. But one of the things that, of the many things that don't ring true, and which are kind of big plot holes, is fair enough if you're going to bring out Hey Jude and Let It Be now, people would go, that's an amazing song. If you're going to bring out, you know, I Saw Her Standing There, or I Want to Hold hold Your your Hand, hand. you just go like, why are you doing a song that sounds like Herman's Hermit? So you know what I mean? Like... That's the, those Is songs this are the such new period TikTok pieces. C-Shun-T. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> crazy. So that's where it doesn't quite work. Like, would people go crazy if they heard "I want to hold your hand now"? Like, yeah. The, the, well, the, the, well, that's the
2: interesting thing in that his um, when he's in his bedroom, and there's the there's the you know the joke about him googling Oasis and they don't exist yeah, either. Yeah. But he's got a poster for In Rainbows on his wall. Yeah. And you're like. <laughs> So there's, uh, you know, there's a news broadcast going to come on in three minutes' time in the film saying this is music like we've never heard before.
1: Yeah. Well, is Because <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in a
2: world where In Rainbows existed, and you know, you could have a debate as to whether In Rainbows would ever have existed were it not for the Beatles. Yeah. But let's assume it does, because you—that's yeah. what the, the filmmakers have decided to, to to say. There's no way that in you know a world yeah. where, like you say, you know, yeah. yeah. He's playing "Love Me Do" and you go, "Where has this come from?" Yeah,
1: <laughs> but I think there's so much willing suspension of disbelief to be done in the film. That, that I think what they're trying to do is like just imagine the Beatles having that impact again. Aside from all that, you know, yeah.
0: uh, you know
1: If you think about it too hard, it doesn't work. But but every like... you know
0: every musician has had that daydream, surely at some point where you're like, "What if I just found all the Beatles songs, and what? What yeah. do I do with them?" Uh I definitely mm. wouldn't do what he did. <laughs> you know, old uh, Well, I, would, <laughs> I wouldn't pick the songs on the basis of what would make a pleasing movie soundtrack when I knew I only had the rights to use twelve of them. No, but of um yeah, I watched it the first time and I quite I thought it was quite sweet and flawed, but really enjoyed it. And then the second time yeah. I watched it, I hated it. Yeah. Uh, I think it might oh, be I'm, one. Of
2: those... I'm one ahead of you there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. So you've watched it, th- what, you mean you've watched it three times?
2: No, I saw the trailer for it and immediately, like as soon as the trailer uh, appeared on on Twitter, I sent it to my wife and was like, well, we're obviously going to go and see this. And she was like, yes, <laughs> we're obviously going to go and see this. We went and saw it in the cinema as soon as it came out. Yeah. Um, um, but uh, it was also, well, I listened to R- Richard Curtis being interviewed. And um, they say and this is the this is the problem I have with Richard Curtis is that he just he just picks and chooses. Like, I'm not a sci fi guy, despite Mm. the way I look and sound, but (laughs) uh, he just picks and chooses moments of like, oh, this might serve the film. That bit won't. You know, like when he did the time travel movie, which actually didn't I didn't
1: hate it. I no, was, I, I don't sort of mind some about time. In there. But, but again, um, if, if you, it, it doesn't hold up to the merest scrutiny this, at all, and yeah. so he's
2: being interviewed, and they say, "So this this moment when all of the lights go out all over the world, and uh, you know, uh, uh, Hamish Patel's thrown off his, his bike, and and everyone forgets the Beatles. What what's actually happening there?" And he's like. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, don't worry about that. And they're like, Yeah, but you must have thought about it. He's like, oh, no, not really. Just yeah. like all the lights go out and everyone's forgotten the Beatles. Yeah. And you go, What? Do yeah. you not think that was... Because also if you you know, if you work in uh you know in the in the world of trying to get comedy on the television or on the radio <laughs> or anywhere else, <laughs> every single line as log, you know, logic combs run over it, go, Well this yeah. happens here in this scene and that doesn't, you know. Yeah. It just how did it, how does he get away with yeah. it?
0: I think you need quite a few <laughs> hits under your belt before a yeah. Uh, Oh yeah. A, an electrical yeah. failure. <laughs> the, the, what, the John Lennon bit. What did you think about the well, John the, Lennon? I like bit? the John Lennon bit.
1: They nearly didn't include that, you know. Yeah, it did smell very very much much... of
0: a deleted scene
1: even when you're watching it
0: for the first time, which is never (laughs) a good sign. But I thought it was quite sweet, actually. I didn't realise it was Robert Carlyle at the time. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, I didn't know until afterwards that it was Robert Carlyle because he's got, you know, such good sort of prosthetics on. I Mm. mean, I don't know. Like, the idea that, you know, he had quite a happy life and lived by the sea and whittled things and therefore didn't (laughs) really care. Sort of just funny. you saying it now is just yeah it's sort of weird, like of, what it's,
0: the fuck is this it's,
2: it's not the, it's not exactly the same as the ending of um once upon a time in hollywood i don't know if you've seen once upon yeah, a time yeah. in hollywood but that takes a very you know it takes a, a, a huge liberty with a with with a with a, with a, a historical story that features the beatles sort of in, yeah. in, in some way the white album um but um and of course people are like, well, you, you can't you can't do that. But effectively, that's what Richard Curtis does. He saves mm. John Lennon's life, but at the same time, doesn't give him the things that sort of yeah. ultimately made him There's incredibly a bit, happy.
1: A bit queasy about I'm not
2: saying I'm project. not saying fame is the thing that made him happy, but like just yeah. to go, like, oh, you know, uh, you know, I, I had a nice life. And, you know, he didn't, <laughs> didn't like I think John not meeting Yoko, but bear in mind, i had gone i had gone to it. With the worst, you know, you know, the worst aspect of my personality was going to that movie and going, "I'm watching this just to pick holes in it." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah where enough. does where because uh, Justin Edwards plays uh, one of the characters who remembers the Beatles. There's like three yes. people in the world oh, who remember yeah. the Beatles. Where does he get his yellow submarine from? Good question. When he's holding that yellow submarine up, where's he got yeah. that from? Has he made it himself
0: from memory. <laughs> I think he must have. Been. He's got. He's sort of supposed to be Russian or something. Isn't he? Is he Russian? Yeah, big Russian. I guy. mean, one
1: of the worst plot bits is the other guy who's going out with the girl who just has to give her up at the end. Yeah. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that so is so willingly. Like, he's just like, yeah, sure. Yeah. He basically
2: he basically almost goes, Well, the thing about me is I'm a plot device. Yeah. And then wanders off wanders yeah, off into yeah. the sunset. Yeah. yeah. I was still no, going at the girl. I mean you know, if yeah.
0: we're picking big holes in it, the worst moment is when he writes, uh, supposedly writes the long and Winding road in about two minutes.
1: Oh yeah, that's true. and
0: you think I don't I'm pretty sure that's not how songwriting works. Can... Well he's re- remembering it though,
1: isn't he? Well, but, I think but, but with all they, the
0: things they had him and Ed Sheeran have to write something from scratch in five minutes.
1: Yeah, but, Jack, did he not get the... Yes, the, I understand that. But he's, got al- <laughs> he's got the almanac like in Back to the Future. I, just, yeah. I don't
0: <laughs> believe that anyone in that room in Russia <laughs> would be would be like, no, mate, you didn't write that. That's not fair. Oh, no, I see what
2: <laughs> you mean. This is like, this is like um, on I'm a Celebrity when Peter Andre woke up one morning and said, I've just come up with this song. It's called Insania. Yeah. And he sang it to the whole camp.
1: And they're like, yeah. what? You came what up with that this morning? That's amazing. Yeah. And then, but weren't of course... the words like bing, bang, bong or something? Are you saying, Matthew, that that is a real-life yesterday incident? That what, Peter, no, no, a no, band no, disappeared who wrote Insania? <laughs> no, because he, he, he'd he written Insania before. And it right. was like,
2: he'd, he'd, he'd smuggled it, in, he'd Trojan-horsed it into the camp. But fuck obviously, so. Heat magazine then went went on his website and found right. a, the demo of Insania that was already on his website. Yeah. So it was, you know, that's, that's what, that's what basically happened. He had it in his back pocket, but then, you know, Ed Sheeran must have had a, a, a half a B-side that was almost written. He could have brought yeah. out. I mean, the old, the <laughs> whole idea of any, any songwriters getting together and going, all right, if you're so good at songwriting you know you can not imagine, yeah, <laughs> can't imagine exactly. Keith Richards and Mick oh, Jagger yes. and like uh, L- Lennon and McCartney sort of ran each- into each other on the King's Road and was like oh you guys right okay yeah. i'm going to you know like i'm going to write wild horses what have you got <laughs> you know, it just doesn't you know it's 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 such a oh speaking of plot holes by the way mm. one thing that did bother me when i watched yas submarine that i'd forgotten about but that bothered me again um it uh, but it really used to bug me when i was a kid is they they perform um, uh, the, well, they perform the Sergeant Pepper's sort of the, the Sergeant Pepper song, the overture, and then they go they sort of say, "Let me introduce you the one only Billy Shears," and mm. indicate John. Mm. They all put their hands to John, and John does a little pose, and then it go, it start it even starts uh, with a little help from my friends, and you hear Ringo singing, but it sort of the camera pans away, mm. and you're like. They must have known Billy Shears isn't John. <laughs> I mean, he's the singer, sure, but yeah. he's not the—he's not Billy Shears. Yeah,
0: no. wasn't there? Isn't that one of the Paul is dead rumors that the—that um, Billy Shear was was the name of the the original name of the imposter Paul? William yeah. Shears was an yeah.
2: American dude, I think. Who was? I think was he born in like Connecticut or something? But for some reason, there was a Brian Epstein held a competition to. Um, to find a Paul lookalike, mm. but apparently he held this competition before On any of the. Yeah. Oh, no, I see. This is no, legit, before right. any of the, yeah. The idea was that he, <laughs> he held it before um, any of the Beatles had passed away to have them, you know, there in reserve. Mm. So he had a, he had a sort of. I mean, I don't know if it was a Beatles lookalike competition or just a Paul lookalike competition, and uh, this guy had come first place as Paul, uh, w- William Shears, and. Uh, <laughs> And then when Paul died in the car accident or whatever happened, Brian, uh, Brian Epstein called him up and said, step yeah. up, Shears. And then time. they gave him a bit of... Re- Shear-run? A... Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, I mean, there's there's my goodness. Oh,
2: Could it be? <laughs> yeah. Could it be that actually he split into two? I mean, there yeah. must
0: be a reason that uh <laughs> Sheeran is in six scenes of a film about the Beatles.
1: He's <laughs> basically so like make the, any... the
0: second lead in it. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Well, I think this is really interesting though, the Billy Shears thing. I mean, because what I was talking about earlier, this idea of Yellow Submarine and and being into the Beatles at a young age and it all being quite fragmentary. One thing that's occurred to me from listening to Sgt. Pepper a lot recently is that, you know, it's like a failed concept album. That's the whole thing. Like we never find out who Sgt. Pepper is. You never find out who Billy Shears is. The kind Mm. of concept runs out after the second song. Mm. But like that's, that gives it this weird fragmentariness that I think is its kind of secret power, I think. <laughs> <That> you, <laughs> you know, when I first got it as a kid, you're used to kind of getting into things that have a kind of backstory. Say you get into Star Wars. <laughs> sure. Everything's got a backstory. You know who these characters are. But here, here's suddenly you've just got this artifact, which is introducing this other band, Sergeant Pepper's ba- Lonely Hearts Club band, introducing billy shears but you never find out who how it all fits together yeah. so part of that yeah part of that kind of weird mystery and another great fact which is i've mentioned before is that thing that paul mccartney loved the idea he loved listening to radio comedies when there would be physical comedy on the radio so you'd only hear the laugh so that's right. why in the sergeant pepper orchestra bit you can hear hmm. the audience laughing you're meant to be imagining something funny is happening on stage so i think the reason sergeant pepper is good is because it's it's so decentered, like you mm. never find out what is at the heart of Sgt. Pepper. And it's completely accidental. It was my formative record,
0: my first yeah. one that I got into. And the more and more I think about it, I think it's my favourite Beatles record, if I did have to pick one. Yeah. And part of the reason why, like, that, the idea of it being a failed concept album, I didn't really get that growing up Mm. it was all in the same universe and for me it was always very separate Mm. from every other beatle record so the fact that the narrative of the made-up band goes away i still think of you know um lovely rita and john lennon on his weird farm wishing you good morning (laughs) and all (laughs) of those sort of characters and when i'm 64 and stuff and all of that exists in this little separate like right. microcosms of the rest of the Beatles stuff. So, for me, in that way, it kind of works. And I don't think it sounds like, I don't think there's many other tracks that on that album that could sit happily on the records no, either side of not. it. So, in that sense, for me, it works as a concept
1: album. Yeah. What's, because it was one of the ones you mentioned, Matthew. Yeah, well, it, what, it, what was your
2: experience of it? Sorry, it, it was, um, again, it was, it was an album we listened to a lot as, um, as as kids it was a sunday afternoon while we were having our sunday dinner basically it was mm. that it was that album um and even even now I, mean, I was i was listening to it today and even now i had to sort of force myself to le- to listen to she's leaving home because oh, okay. it is the like it made me feel so it, i i i honestly I, as i was listening to it today i could literally picture a sort of uh roast lamb in front of me that i'm just uh, <laughs> unable to eat because i'm so torn up with sadness <laughs> and uh, and it made me feel physically it was a song a song that still kind of makes me feel physically sick with with pain yeah because mm. i'm such a like i'm such a family i love my family so much mm. yeah, and the idea yeah. of running away from home is not in any way romantic to me i mean mm. i still you know i still i was born in bromley i he moved around a tiny bit to other bits of south uh, south London and now live in Beckenham. I live like ten minutes from my parents. So I've always yeah. kind of basically have um, i the idea I, 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 it's, it's funny because obviously it's a song about you know let you know let your, let your kids go. Fun is the one thing that money can't buy, but mm. to me, it was I, I sided with the parents mm-hmm. you know the, yeah. the, the you know uh, uh, daddy our baby's gone." Mm. just got me so badly you know the yeah. I, the idea that you that and also i think and this is me being a middle-class snob but <laughs> meeting a man from the motor trade just sounds just sounds bleak it doesn't sound fun <laughs> this is her right this is her having fun she's going off and getting a job meeting a man from the motor trade mm-hmm. i mean a, a, that and the, the sort of the falsetto backing vocals just mm. f, it felt like you know like sort of sad angels singing to you and i just remember Mm. thinking that was really scary and it doesn't get much better with the other songs around it if you're already feeling bad does it then go into being for the benefit mr kite yeah yeah so then you've got this really loopy kind of uh carnival um sort of sort of slightly sort of sick making you know you know, a sort yeah, of, sort of circus, circus music that yeah. feels like you're being sort of in you know, a whirlitzer or something, being yeah. being yeah. spun around. So I, I, I sort of, I loved it, and there are songs in it that I really, really love, but also songs on it that I really found hard, hard going. Mm. But obviously, I couldn't say to my mum and dad, and we were playing it again. We were playing vinyl albums, so it wasn't like I could just sit there and you know and skip it on. It was, you know, like on a CD <laughs> player, you could just. You know, as soon as he got to, she's leaving home. Just go. Oh, I'm just going to get the loo, and they just skip it onto the, <laughs> the next track. But um, I, I yeah. But I, I mean, again, it's it's a record that I that I I do I do really love, and I think it's interesting you say it's a failed concept album because I think as I've learned from writing Edinburgh shows. How long as you bring it back at the end, yeah. You yeah. Get all the stuff in the middle, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's they it. bring that's the back, you know. And they they, they kind of invented
1: that, the Fringe show in that exactly
2: sense. that incredible reprise, yeah. um, Which is you know an, an even rockier version of a fantastically rocky opening song, yeah. Um, but also, as well, I remember listening to that, I I'm trying to th- I, again the chronology is really messed up in my mind, but it wasn't it it wasn't one of the main ones. Rubber Soul, Help um, mm. for Sale were the main ones that we listened to a lot in the house and then Sergeant Pepper's came a bit later possibly like we possibly it was re, it was re-released or something for the 30th anniversary or the 25th anniversary or something like yeah. that but we we certainly had a had a more recent copy that I, oh, I, even now, even though it was only in the, uh, a copy bought in the nineties, I, I cut out all of the stuff from the inlay card. <laughs> nice. As soon as we got it, I was like, right. Taking that out, cutting out the mustache, wearing that round the house, putting yeah. the, putting the Sergeant Pepper's logo on my blazer to go to school. Of course it just, you know, didn't stay yeah. and it blew away and yeah. really regret doing that. <laughs> but I don't, yeah, it doesn't, Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, I, and again, this was, this wasn't the 1967 version I had. It was, yeah. it, it would have been bought in HMV and Bromley high street. Yeah. yeah. Um, But, uh, but, um, because uh, I can, rem- I can definitely remember the first time I heard it and being thinking, "Oh, it's it's, it's a lot more electric than I assumed it was going to be." Mm. Like the, the, I remember being quite surprised by the, you know, the first time yeah. you hear the electric guitar yeah, yeah. come in and thinking, "Someone who listened to a lot of R- rubber soul, obviously there is electric. Obviously, there's a lot of electric songs on it, but it, f- it didn't it didn't feel quite as rocky or yeah. as driven." And again, that's another song where Paul really goes for it. Mm. The, you know, the opening vocals, just f- phenomenal.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think, um, I mean, talk, talk about For Sale and how it starts with a John song and then Help starts with a John song. And then it wasn't until Abbey Road that they start with a John song. So kind of all yeah. those big, the kind of uh, imperial phase of the Beatles, they start with Paul or George songs and i think it really changes the mood like for sale because it starts with this very john heavy it, it's got that kind of bitterness darkness of john i think yeah, yeah. whereas rubber soul starting with drive my car is like buoyant <laughs> be, be, you know be, be, yeah, you're away exactly. you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah no
0: reply is a hell of a opening track yeah it's wicked it must be oh. pro- i mean maybe my favorite opening track on a beatle record actually Really, yeah, I love it. It just uh, sets the tone so well. It's got such high yeah. energy. But Pepper, you know, everyone knows that I suppose that Pepper is the sort of the first sort of great Paul record, really. But especially mm. that first half is mm. is very Paul heavy. But you know, apart from Lucy and Sky with Diamonds and yeah. Benefit of Mister Kite at the end, it is kind of all yeah. Paul, isn't it? Really, yeah. yeah.
2: And and also be, being for the Benefit Mister Kite feels. Like a a silly song, you know. It's like it feels like one of Paul's. It, it could have be been one yeah. of Paul's silly songs. It, it's darker than uh, Lovely Rita or um or When I'm Sixty Four.
0: Yeah.
2: Um. But um. But it's still got that. You know. Th- there's an image of a, a horse doing a dance. So obviously, yeah. it's, it's, it's there's 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 silliness in in it. Yeah. But it's uh,
0: maybe it's the sort of sinister, or just maybe I'm just scarred by the Disney Pinocchio film. But there's something <laughs> ver- very sinister about Mister Kite, I find, and that sort reckon, of Victorian hurdy gurdy sort of, you know, vaudevillian thing wow. with those kind of demonic, you know, swirling. As you yeah, the sort of the sickness of being at the fun fair without any of the candy floss. Well, well, the circus is
2: creepy, isn't it? The circus is yeah. just you know, it's in, inherently you know, from from Scooby Doo to Doctor Who to you know, Mr. Bungle, yeah. all of these things, these, you know, like the band. Totally. The yeah. band. yeah. 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 yeah like band. that first album of, is all, you know, that first album of Mr. Bungle is all like weird offbeat carnival songs with like thrash metal guitars. Mm. Yeah. It's so good. But um, yeah, I love it. But, uh, but is there something, is something creepy about it? So even when he tries yeah. to do a song that's, you know, a silly song, basically it's like, you know, obviously Paul was really inspired by the music hall. Yeah even when he's doing like a kind of almost like a musical song it's still got a real dark core to it
1: Mm. because
2: he was you know he's a dark man
1: just going back to the yellow submarine film again but this is a book i quoted from before which is the electric eden book about oh, yeah. kind of history of folk music and in the uk but there's a great bit about um the ghost box label have you heard of the ghost box label which is no. the kind of label that it's a lot of kind of retro futurist kind of bands like uh polly and very like broadcast kind of were involved with ghost box but but he talks about going to a ghost box night and and they were playing like some kind of weird folk horror kind of films but he says this thing which is so good for anyone born between roughly 1965 to 75 these images have the quality of folk memories television and recorded music were our, our oral culture the images and sounds that ghost box recombine have an effect at some primal level and being exposed to them in these airtight conditions gave me an inkling of why but i think that's so sums up exactly how it felt to rewatch yellow submarine where mm. it has this really primal thing, you know, watching something that weird that young. That yeah. You watch it again and it's kind of the horror comes back. Yeah, bit, you know? yeah. I this is why it
2: turned out this way. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That yeah. explains, <laughs> explains a lot. It, it's not a, it's not in any way a kind of kid's film, despite mm. being a cartoon.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean there's nothing in it that a, you know there's nothing in it sort of content-wise really that a kid couldn't probably watch. Yeah. Except for the fact that, you know, the the, the blue meanings are quite scary. Oh yeah. here's another thing I noticed. Do you think because uh, obviously the Beatles weren't didn't have a hand in the writing of it or the creating of it or anything apart from being on screen at the end. And then it's but the the fact that the Blue Meanies destroy things with apples mm. Mm, is that a significant thing? Yeah,
0: yeah that was obviously. Do you think that's a reference, was not it? it? Isn't do, it do you well, th- I mean, Apple was pretty new. Yeah, then. I didn't.
2: I, it feels like it's because all of the other things are are y you know. Yeah. There's lots of, you know, signs that say What's love. What's the kind of first Beatles-y Apple record,
0: party. White Album? Don't know, mate. I didn't know which of us you were asking, but neither <laughs> of us seem to know. Well, I, I don't think that chronologically matches up. I think oh, right, it might so be it's a, Maybe a, it's just coincidence.
1: a coincidence. So it's just a coincidence. I didn't know if it was... <laughs> I always assumed that was intentional, like it was just apples were part of the Beatles imagery.
0: Well, the weird thing about that film is how quickly they did it because it's also rewatching mm. it. It's long, Like I remember it it being, you know, I would have guessed it was like 70, 80 minutes, but it's over an hour and a half. And to make an animation that quickly, I think it came out sort of July July 68, didn't it? And it has songs off Sergeant Pepper.
1: Yeah, Yeah, the section in Fab Fools about uh, the book Fab Fools, Jem Roberts about yellow submarines really interesting mm. like the people who made it like nearly went mad like yeah. one of them like went half half blind or something you know oh, wow! It was, yeah it's crazy
0: i mean the work but, yeah. going, there's a section where the you know they explain how long a minute is and uh, when i'm 64 which yeah. is just like oh you're really gonna do 60 of these i mean this is crazy <laughs> like that would that's a project that would take three months <laughs> on yeah. its own it also really reminded me of the animations
2: that they used to have in Sesame Street. Mm. It's got that, you know, the, the same... And I, I imagine, because Sesame Street started, around, like, probably around the same time.
0: It yeah, like, in the late 60s, early 60s, is that 70s, right? yeah.
2: So I wonder if it was any in any way informed. And again, you know, I, I don't know the, the sort of chronology, but um, I'm guessing they were a bit informed by Terry Gilliam, as you said. But I wonder mm. if that was ever... a Because a, a lot of those images of the Beatles, you know, the, and, like, the Yellow Submarine, have become kind of, you know, if you go to the Beatles, um, uh, you know, experience in, in Liverpool, a lot of the images are from the yeah, yeah. submarine.
1: They've it become quite iconic. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah they, they really have. <music> Talk us through. Your things you like about Festival? Um, okay.
1: I said it's the John album. Yeah. Um, best Shouting. Yeah. It's got the best shouting of any Beatles album. It's got the Kansas think City is... Hey
0: Hey Hey medley on it as well, hasn't it? Yeah, Which I love that. incredible.
1: Uh, it's got, I think, the great, it's the closest they've got in the studio to, to what I imagine a Hamburg show would have been like,
2: I think. Well, isn't that the idea that it was their, they said it was their stage show, didn't they, with a few mm. new songs?
1: Yeah, yeah that's it's it,
2: uh it's also got i mean i'm sure you're going to get, get to this in a bit but on the same topic of the best shouting you've got to mention um ringo's shout out to
1: george in yeah, honey that. don't yeah because that's the another I, I was going to get to that yeah of course, the, of course. The, the, sorry sorry to jump <laughs> the gun on that but i thought it was yeah. pay yeah no uh, yeah um Done that, done that. It's got brilliant covers. The Buddy Holly cover
2: is so beautiful. It's really, it's beautiful. Although it's the interesting, yeah. interesting listening back to it now, and I was like a huge <clears throat> Buddy Holly fan when I was a kid as well. Um, mm. Love, I mean, again, music that's just like all the songs are, are are brilliant and they're all short. They're sort of perfect yeah. for little kids. Um, and also, the Buddy musical was on in the West End. So at school, we did a project on the nineteen fifties. Um, I did a pro- I did a project on, on 1955 and we all went to see um, the Buddy musical as like a school trip, which was mm. so great. It was so exciting. Yeah. Cool. Um, and uh, so I was a really, really, really into um, Buddy Holly. But it's when when they do Words of Love, it's really strange to hear because he, he can't he, he can't quite avoid putting on a Buddy Holly voice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It feels like, you know, in the way that whenever you, you know, you find yourself singing along to a song that you love and you go, oh, I'm just doing an impression rather than singing yeah. in my voice and doing an impression of the singer. Yeah. It's really
0: strange to hear. But they've
1: got that kind of nice close mic thing. And it's, and Yeah, something about the style, uh, the way it's recorded is very Buddy Holly-ish as well, isn't it?
0: Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. he had so much of Buddy Holly in his early voice as as well mm-hmm. that it sort of probably That's didn't true. take much co- coaxing for it to come out again. But... Yeah. It, it you also
2: get that uh, and this is a thing i remember from seeing the 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 buddy on in the west end was um there was a scene where they uh, a lot lots of it set in the in the studio and there's lots of scenes where it might it might even be is it is it words of words of love where on the no it's everyday it's everyday um it, where the, it it's sort of slapping on his yeah. on his lap uh, yeah. and i remember uh, seeing that and going, oh, right, yeah, of course, a record is... Like, I hadn't sort of thought about the process of what making a record yeah. is. It's three, four, five people in a room singing the song into a microphone and playing the song <laughs> into recording devices. And and I think that's what I really liked about um, listening to For Sale again was that it really does sound like people playing music together. Yeah. And yeah, when you think about yeah. the Beatles, you think of, you know, especially the later albums, obviously, they, they are you know experiments in what you can do in a studio whereas this is just we have phenomenal musicians and great songwriters and also here's some songs we love
1: yeah um i think there's a suitcase in the studio for that is it a suitcase yeah there was they were patting on something like that right yeah yeah. but yeah that's definitely true you get the sense of them in a room definitely you know playing it sounds like they're having fun brackets ringo so oh that's yeah I love Ringo's little shout. Rock George. on, George, and the other one thing time is, for Ringo. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. George Martin's piano playing is the other thing, which is absolutely amazing. Yeah. In like, rock and roll music. He's, up, he's properly giving it some welly, as they say. It's funny because <laughs> whenever
2: I picture George Martin, when I picture them in the studio recording this album, I picture the Beatles as they look on the front cover... And yeah. an old dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Well, old, yeah, an old yeah. man. And their music with, teacher. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, even, I mean, I've seen photos of him in the in the, in the 50s and 60s, and he looked, you know, he, he looked a lot more professorial than, you know, than the, 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 the four Beatles. But he wasn't an old guy. But I still imagine the, you know, the George Martin that Kevin Eldon ate. Yeah. <laughs> How did you feel about the... Um, the album he brought out with, uh, like uh, Jim Carrey and that kind of stuff on it.
0: I remember that so vividly, and I don't yeah. even know from what, but I remember watching the footage from it. Um, I don't know whether there was a documentary or, oh, I think actually there was a doc- there was a George Martin documentary on BBC Two in about 1995 or something. Yes, That yes, was about yes, the yes, making I of that album, that, wasn't yeah, it? Because yeah. I've got yeah, yeah, all of the footage in my head. Yeah, I just remember watching um, Jim Carrey doing. Is it Jim Carrey doing I Am the Walrus? Yeah. Or Robin that's Williams right. does one as well. I can't remember which one. I think Jim Carrey does I I Am the Walrus, yeah. And it's just so overdone. And I just, oh dear. I mean, I haven't watched it for years, but I'll probably investigate. And someone did, Phil Collins did Golden Slumbers, I remember, which was just <sighs> sort of <laughs> flooded in 90s kind of. Reverby drums, and it was all a bit nasty. But um, Why? It's, it's such <laughs> a bizarre choice. But...
2: Sitting
1: in an English garden, waiting for the sun. If the sun don't come, you get your time from standing in the.
2: I guess if you're mates with loads of celebrities, get a nice, nice chance to hang out with them. But
0: yeah, in my life, I think it was called as well, wasn't it? It was like I'm going back to Abbey Road, and I'm getting all my chums together. Why (laughs) don't you live on an island? (laughs) Have a uh, controversial Beatles opinion.
2: It's not so much a controversial Beatles opinion, but my my family were were, my, we're a Paul family. We're a we're a, a, a Paul McCartney family. So when it comes to the solo stuff, my mum was you know w- w- would buy all the solo records. We had a lot of the. We didn't have any, I, I think, of the of the the Lennon or Plastic Ono Band stuff apart from the CD. Uh, this the seven inch single of. um Merry Christmas war is over. That was the only mm. thing we had. Um, and I've always had like a real affinity for Paul, partly because my mum looks a bit like Paul McCartney. <laughs> she's had a, um, she's had like a m- sort of mop top haircut for an entire her entire, you know, sort of her forties yeah. onwards. Although now in lockdown, she still, she still dyes it black. And in lockdown, it's grown a bit longer and she mm. wears tinted, um, glasses so she looks a little bit like a sort of short irish Joe ramone it's, <laughs> g- it's sort of g- it's g- getting heavy around the back as you know yeah. as everyone's hair is getting in <laughs> lockdown because she- you yeah. but um yeah. so we're uh we're a we're a paul uh, a paul family um and uh i think it's not so much a, an opinion as I, I i've spent probably more time with the soundtrack to give my regards to broad street than i've spent with <laughs> abbey road Right. Yeah. <laughs> genuinely because that was like yeah. when i was uh w- w- my, i remember that the night my parents went to see it at the cinema it was a big night for them they were really excited mm. about it and they came back like in my in my memory so when would this have been 1984 or 85 something like that um so, yeah. so i would have been four or five years old they went off and they came back with the album uh, and again like never seen the movie never seen the film mm. give my regards to broad street i don't know if you have yeah.
1: No, we should. Wa- I was thinking we should watch it one. Like we should watch it before recording one of the episodes. It's
2: on YouTube, of. and I was thinking, yeah. do I watch this? And it's like, no, it's not. This is not my own personal Beatles. It's I, the, <laughs> the album was my own personal Beatles, but not the yeah. not the film. Yeah. Do I watch it before? But I've got it. I've got it in a tab.
0: Even the most sort of hardcore Beatles fans uh, don't aren't that nice about it. But I have flicked yeah. through it on YouTube, and there is some sort of pristine, lovely footage of him doing some quite nice numbers and stuff. But well, yeah. so I'm yeah. intrigued. Yeah. But
1: I just love the idea that he was like, yeah, you know, when you you get surrounded by yes men, I suppose. Yeah, I'm going to make a film, and you know, yeah. like, <laughs> what if I move the camera? Over
0: there, <laughs> yeah.
1: brilliant, Paul. Well, just, just decide yeah. all the directorial decisions. You know, yeah. just what, what happens. I suppose it's like the room. Is it like the room? I,
2: I mean, I, yeah. I, I I hope it's a little better than that. But but <laughs> but I, but for me, so like so so like here, there, and everywhere, the version I know, like my version of that the version I that I hear in my head when I sing that song is from the Give My Regards to Broad Street album mm. i used to i used to be absolutely upset and again it's, it had a, like an inlay card of the plot so it had yeah. all the photos of like him uh, is the idea i think the idea is that he's got master tapes and they get nicked and he's trying to get them back that's what the right. story is but um but yeah i would say i've spent more time with that than i have with with abbey road so not yeah. not mm. not an not an opinion just a confession yeah yeah it's well, my controversial fair. confession
1: uh,
0: Matthew Crosby, there. That was brilliant. That was one of my most enjoyable chats we've ever done on this one. It really, uh, listening back to it, especially a few months on when you've kind of forgotten a lot about it, it was a real joy.
1: Yeah, and um, I felt like he, we could have gone on and on and on. It was—it was very enjoyable. Yeah,
0: it was tempting. Yeah, check out Pappy's as well. If you've, if you've never seen them particularly live, they're always brilliant. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so yeah, thanks very much for listening um, There's an extended version of that Which you can get through the Patreon um, And we'll be back next week With uh, a really fascinating episode With the brilliant journalist Laura Barton
1: Yeah, Laura Barton's One of my favourite music journalists Because she writes about music in a, From a very personal point mm. of view And her writing's very emotional as unafraid to be emotional And, uh, you know and she, We have a lot of musical... Tastes in common, I suppose. So yeah. we do detour from the Beatles a lot because there's a lot of chat about Van Morrison. And Bonnie Prince Billy and people and various other artists she's interviewed and written about. So yeah. it's not and one of the most Beatly ones, but it's one of the ones I really, really enjoyed doing.
0: Yeah, and she talks about uh, interviewing Yoko and stuff. Mm. And she obviously, you know, has a, a long-standing love for the Beatles, like we all do. But we, yeah, we all it go springboard into a lot of different areas, which is yeah. really nice. It's a little bit different. It's very sort of intimate. This mm. one, um, I really enjoyed it, and she yeah. was, uh, you know, fascinating. There's know, a lot chat about interviewing van morrison and yeah. uh, reassessing your heroes in an age in which they tend to let themselves down yes a little bit.
1: because i mean you know pre
0: pre-clapton's latest uh, yeah the, her, exploits, but,
1: yes indeed but she yeah. her interview with him was pre-covid i think It was pre-COVID and it was, was, um, I mean, if you want to do some research before listening to next week's episode, the interview is just kind of astonishing for how rude and obnoxious he is to her. And so talking about that and how she dealt with that and still remained a fan of his music is really interesting. Mm.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's certainly got that in his locker. Um, (laughs) uh, So, yeah, there's lots of fascinating stuff in that. Um, Mm. We'll be back uh, with that one next Tuesday. So thanks so much for listening. Continue to send in your personal Beatles, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Your Own Personal Beatles is presented by Jack Pelling and Robin Allender. The podcast artwork is done by Morgan Ritchie. It's produced by me, Jack Pelling, and is a Homespun Sounds production.